Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Would you agree with me? Things can change quickly and turn on a dime. March 8th was a Sunday. It was like any other Sunday. We had a great experience, as we always do, with each other and the Lord. Not to realize that that would be our last Sunday, our last normal Sunday for a while. The virus obviously can wreak havoc. And viruses were not God's intention. Viruses came from when Adam and Eve decided to believe a lie rather than believe the truth. And at that moment, sin entered into this world. But the good news is, God is bigger than any virus. God is bigger than any problem. You know, Satan, he's the one that lied to Adam and Eve, and that's what he does. He lies, he wants to kill, he wants to deceive, and he is in the trickery. He thinks he won right now, because the church can't gather. But he didn't win. Christ won. We win. And Satan wants to discourage you. Satan wants to keep you fearful. Satan wants to confuse you. But as Joseph said to his brothers who tried to kill him, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, for the purpose of saving many lives. Many lives will be changed and saved because of what Satan thought he won. God's winning. God always wins. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about having hope, the hope to cope. Because if you don't have hope, you can't cope with these things. So I'm going to preach the gospel, whether anyone's listening or not. Because the gospel is the good news. We need to hear from Jesus. We need to hear his perspective and get out of our own heads. He's our hope. God's promises never fail. We're talking about being prepared for the promised land in Deuteronomy. And today we're going to talk about standing in his promises so that we can be victorious. In fact, in order to be prepared for entering the promised land, you must stand on the promises of God. So think about some promises that we have in Christ. Think about it. What are some? Well, first, we know that we no longer have to be under the penalty and power of death. Jesus rose from the dead. We can rise from the dead through faith in him. How about any disease? We can have a disease, but once we leave this earth, we don't have that disease. We're with Jesus. What about when he says, do not be afraid? Jesus said, trust in God, trust also in me. He also says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. So we're going to get through this. We're going to get through it together. Even though we're not geographically maybe together, we're going to stay connected because that's how we win. God's promises are based on his covenant. So today we're going to talk about a covenant. A covenant is a promise. When Deborah and I got married, we made a covenant. I asked her to marry me, and she said no. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She said yes, and we're almost 28 years married. But that's a covenant. It's a promise. So throughout Scripture, 
we find God making promises to his people through covenant. First, we have the covenant to Adam. Now, there's a split between whether that was an actual covenant because the word covenant isn't used with Adam. In any case, there were certain things Adam and Eve were supposed to do, and then God would do his part. So there was a type of covenant. And then the next covenant is to Noah after the flood. And God said to Noah that I will never destroy the world through a flood again. And that's a covenant to the world. And then there's a major covenant that came to Abraham because Abraham kind of like started over as the new Adam kind of. In fact, anyone who's in Christ, Abraham is our spiritual father. So that's the Abrahamic covenant. And then we had the Mosaic covenant, which we've talked a lot lately at our church. And then the Davidic covenant, which is that a ruler would sit on the throne of David forever, and that would be Jesus Christ. And then we have the new covenant. These are all promises. So here's the thing. If you are in Christ through faith in him, you are under the new covenant, which is a covenant given and pledged by the blood of Jesus to all who believe in him. In fact, the Bible says all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. So every promise is fulfilled in Christ. When you are in Christ, all the promises are yours. That's a good thing. Now we have the Mosaic covenant that was given through Moses to Israel and Sinai. And then we have the Mosaic covenant renewed, which is kind of where we are in Deuteronomy. We're in Deuteronomy 29. So what's happening here is the previous generation has dying off the 40 years they were in the wilderness because of unbelief. They didn't believe God, so they missed the promised land. So what happens is Moses is speaking to the new generation that's going to inherit the covenant that were given to the parents. So he's renewing the covenant with this new generation that are about to enter the promised land through the leadership of Joshua. And in Deuteronomy 29.1, it says, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make, with the sons of Israel and the land of Moab, besides, so this is the renewal, besides the covenant which he made with them at Horeb. So let me ask you a question. If you have children, imagine your children that they went to church with you every Sunday. Hopefully that's the case. But then they become adults, and the question becomes, is your church their church? Hopefully it is, but they have to make that decision. But more importantly, is their faith their own faith? Or was it your faith? Because unless it's their own faith, it's not faith in Christ. The only way that happens is for them to have a personal relationship with Jesus and the church. Not just through the parents. See, the sons of Israel wandered all over the desert for 40 years because they didn't believe. Their sons and daughters were now standing there, ready to inherit the land. But Moses had to say, this is the covenant. Do you receive it? Do you believe it? So Moses is speaking to them, this new generation. And basically he's saying, hey, this is your church now. This is your faith now. Are you going to believe? Are you going to follow Joshua into the land? Or are you going to be like your parents that didn't believe? This is important. We, we need to teach our kids that to take them to church, we should. And we should talk about Jesus and we should share our faith. But at some point, you need to be praying that they come to their own faith, that they enter into the promised land through their own faith and have their own church as part of their life because we need each other, especially in times like this. Would you not agree? 
So God's promises aren't just for your parents or your relatives or your husband or your wife. God's promises are for you. Number one, God is the one who initiates and fulfills his covenants. So we're going to talk about important information about God's covenants. And that's important to understand. God is the one who initiates it and fulfills it. God calls you into a covenant with him through relationship because a covenant is based on relationship. A marriage covenant involves two people, promises to stand for each other and with each other till death do us part. One of these persons, usually the man, makes a proposal, will you marry me? And hoping that the one he's proposing to says yes. Well, in the same way, God reaches out, he initiates and calls you into a relationship and he wants you to come into a covenant with him. And his desire for you is to say yes. But here's the thing. The Bible says that when we are not in Christ, so we haven't been saved, we haven't been born again, we're dead spiritually. Can a dead person do anything? No. It takes God opening their eyes so that they can respond to his proposal. You know, I hear of the weirdest things that people marry. It's amazing to me. Like they might marry their dogs and the tree and everything else. In fact, a guy named Liu Yi from China married himself. He, he cut out a cardboard of himself and married it. Erica Latour from France married the Eiffel Tower. And she changed her name to Erica Latour Eiffel. One guy married a character from his Nintendo video game. But this is the weirdest one. Lee Jin from Korea married a pillow. So here's the thing. I'm a human being. God is a divine being. I can't marry someone who's not like me, who is not human, nor can I propose to that person. Therefore, it takes God, the divine person, to initiate the covenant relationship with the human person through Jesus Christ's son. And in all cases of document in the Bible, God makes the first move. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and me, and you. None of us said, God, I want you. God came to us and said, I want you. And we responded, hopefully, with yes. Each person has a choice to respond. And here's what I say today. Do not reject God's proposal. Say yes to him. Deuteronomy 29 again. These are the words of the covenant. So the covenant involves words that are spoken by the Lord, Yahweh, commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he made with them in Horeb. Horeb is Sinai. So Moses is delineating between the original covenant made on Mount Sinai through Moses, the Ten Commandments, and now he's saying, this one's besides the covenant. It's not a different covenant. It's renewing the covenant. Deuteronomy 29.1 is an incredibly important verse because Deuteronomy means second law. So what's happening here, it's not a second different law. It's the restating of the same law, but for a new generation of people. And he goes on, it is not with you alone that I'm making this sworn covenant. So God is making it. That's important. Israel didn't make it. God made it with them. And then they hopefully would receive it. It's a sworn oath, which is a promise. And this covenant was not only for those people standing there, it was for future generations. That's why Moses goes on. But with whoever is standing here, so God is making the covenant with you, with us today, but with whoever is not here with us today, 
God wants to make a covenant with everyone that would respond to his love. And his promises never failed. Jesus brought the new covenant in his blood. In fact, he said, read it with me. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So what is that? God made a promise. And Jesus signed it with his blood. And it can never be revoked. So those who receive the covenant by receiving the covenant giver, Jesus Christ, never can be revoked. You don't lose your salvation. God secures your salvation by giving you his spirit the moment you believe. So I say yes to Jesus. I ask you to say yes to Jesus. Secondly, we can receive God's covenant by faith. That's how you receive it. You can't work for it. You can't buy God's love like the Beatles say, you know, can buy me love. You can't buy it. You can only receive it by faith. He made it. He's presenting it to you. And all you have to do is receive it by receiving the covenant giver, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. It's always been about faith. The Bible says Abraham believed the Lord and he was credited as righteous before him. Why was he credited as right with God? Because he did a bunch of good things? No. He's, he believed God. That is how you receive the Holy Spirit, how you receive God's covenant, is you receive Christ. You believe him. And then you become right with God. And it's also always about grace. See, faith is our response, but God has to be the one who initiates it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. No one can work to get it, and no one boasts about it. It's all about Him. All you need to do is say yes to Jesus. Now, standing on the promises of God, what do we stand on? First of all, we stand on God's faithfulness. If you're in Deuteronomy chapter 29 in your Bible, we can uh, look at verse 2. So after Moses tells this new congregation that this is the covenant that you're to receive, he says, Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh. And he goes on and he says, God did all these things for you and to show you his greatness. And then in verse 9, so keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. So there is a part for the human to respond, which is to do them. Now, the Mosaic Covenant was what's known as a bilateral covenant, where if Israel did these things, God would do these things. So we, in faith, respond to Jesus, to his covenant. So in verse 4, Deuteronomy 29, 4, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see, or ears to hear. So what happened was, they rebelled. They rebelled against God, and so they didn't receive the covenant. Israel was blinded in unbelief, and their heart got hard. But God has given us a heart to understand and eyes to hear. That's why as Christians, here's the thing, we should never panic you know what's worse than coronavirus is panic virus and worry virus and de 
depression virus and discouragement virus. We need to turn it around and look at God's goodness so that we can not miss God's blessings. Listen, I'm talking to myself because I need this. I need this. I can be a worry wart. I think about everything. As we were planning this today, in fact, I think about every nine things that could go wrong and want a backup plan for every single one of them. And then after a while, it just drains you. So I got to work on this. Part of that is wanting to do good things and do a good job. But part of it is just worry. And that never does anything. Because God's grace has opened our eyes to the truth that he, his promises are true. And it's about a relationship with God. It's not about what you do for God. Jesus did everything for you. All you should do is say yes and receive him into your life. That's how your eyes get open. I'm going to jump to the next point, which is we need to stand on God's word. We need to stand on God's word. So Israel experienced all the good things that God did. Their sandals never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. Think about that. For 40 years, they had the same clothes, the same sandals. They didn't have refrigerators or coolers. They didn't have In-N-Out Burger. They just had themselves. But God provided food from heaven called manna. Their clothes never wore out. Think about that. That's miraculous. So that's what Moses is saying. So we need to stand on his promises, but we need to stand on his word, which is true. Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't believe in God? You mean, you hear that all the time, right? My question is, what God do you not believe in? Because I probably don't believe in that God either. I believe in the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one that is written about in the Bible, God's word. So don't fall for that, okay? You can trick yourself. Is that the real God? Well, I encourage you, if that's your question, that's good because you're seeking the truth. I sought the truth and I said, God, if you're real, you got to show me. But I was an honest prayer. I wasn't trying to like just blow him out. I wanted to really know because I grew up in the Catholic church. I felt horrible about myself And I'm not slamming the Catholic Church, believe me. But although today was interesting, I did read that the Pope said during this virus time that everyone has blanket forgiveness, you don't have to go to the church. I'm thinking, that's the truth. We all have blanket forgiveness. We don't need to go to another human being. We go to God. Nobody can forgive our sins except God. So that's the God I worship. That's the God I know. Jesus Christ, who is faithful, and we can stand on his word. Next, we can stand on God's deliverance. He is the one who rescues us out of hopelessness. Think about Israel. They were hopeless in Egypt for 400 years. Moses shows up. God delivers them through the Red Sea. Then they don't believe God, and they constantly not believe God. Here's what I'm saying today. Has God not shown himself faithful? It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God is faithful. We have to believe this. You know, how people respond in times of crisis shows a lot about what they believe about God. Like for me, the fact that when this hit, everyone went and bought toilet paper, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I guess that's something you need. But I think, obviously, 
We need Jesus more than anything. Instead of TP, I need JC. God is faithful to deliver Israel, and he's faithful to deliver you. Jesus speaks of a time in the future. And this is why it's really important that you say yes to Jesus today. Because you think it's bad now. There's a time in the future where Jesus says, there will be a great tribulation. Such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. This is not that. In fact, I believe the church won't be here for that, but that's topic of discussion. But either case, you don't want to be faithless and without Christ when the great tribulation hits. Because you can see right now what a virus can do. But when Jesus comes back and judges the world for unbelief, you don't want to be on that camp. You want to be in his camp. So we live currently in the age of grace. We have the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, and then his ascension. And we're currently living in the church age. That's the age of grace. But at some point, Jesus will come back and take his church to be with him. And then the great tribulation will hit, which is a seven-year period. And then Jesus will come back. He'll set up his kingdom on this earth and reign for a thousand years, as was the Davidic covenant, that David will always have someone on the throne in his line, the tribe of Judah. That's David, that's Jesus. And then there will be the second resurrection of the dead that are outside of Christ that rejected God's love and forgiveness, and they will be judged in what's called the great white throne judgment. And in that moment, Satan and all his minions will be thrown into the lake of fire and have no reign over anybody ever again. And so that's the future. Right now, Satan has permission. He has to ask permission. Can I do this? Can I mess with them? You know, but God is way bigger than that. That's why Satan has to ask permission. God is in control. And then we enter the eternal kingdom of God, which is the new heaven and earth. So only people who have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand can understand this. Only people who have ears to hear and hearts to understand can have the hope to cope with no matter what's going on. And I pray that you would have those ears, you would have those eyes, and you would have that heart. You know what? If you do, praise God. And you need to give him the credit. We're not going to walk around and go, oh, yeah, look what I did. We should all be going, look what he did. He saved me. Deuteronomy 30, 14 says, but the word is very near you in your mouth, in your heart, that you may observe it. You may stand on it. You can stand on God's word because it's true. God delivered Israel out of the grasp of the enemy, Jesus delivered us out of the grasp of the enemy. He rescued us by retrieving us, but only those who know and believe will be retrieved. If you know Christ, you don't have anything to fear because Jesus is coming back and you're good. But if you don't know Christ, if you've not said yes to him and his covenant proposal to you, then you're outside Christ. You don't want to be outside Christ. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord himself, Jesus, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. You know, there's a Greek word, maranatha. 
means come quickly, Lord Jesus. I think we need to have that on our mind instead of toilet paper and instead of all this other stuff. We need Jesus and we need to say, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But we also need to say, please don't leave anyone behind. Lord, use me to reach people because I don't want them to be left behind. We live in serious times. God loved the world. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God did a lot for you. And all he's asking for you is to say yes, so that you're not left behind, so that you will be with him forever and eternity. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. If it were not for you, we'd be hopeless and we'd be under the power of this stupid virus of sin and death. But thank God you've redeemed us. You've given us your spirit and we've become a new person. This body will die away, but as Jesus rose from the dead, we will rise from the dead. We're not succumbed to death. We're succumbed to life. I pray now, if you have never received God's forgiveness by accepting his covenant of love, and he's proposing to you now, and he's saying, I want you to be with me forever. And all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe that you're coming back again. I want to be with you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Be the Lord and Savior of my life and make me a new person from the inside out. I trust you, Lord. I don't understand it all right now, but I trust you because I don't want to be left behind in this earth. I want to be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-